0: You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your source for news, discussion, and debates about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Athena Rutherford, joined by Gene Henley. And we're here to bring another episode of the podcast here and we got a lot to talk about so we'll get into it here in just a second thank you all for tuning in if you're listening on your apple uh, device listening on spotify google podcast wherever you're listening to if you're on youtube and watching this video slash listening to it thank you all so much this is going to be the last time gene and i do a podcast in 2021 and i just want to say you guys have made 2021 a fantastic year for the podcast it was obviously rebranded back in late february early march Just to do Tennessee basketball and Lady Vols and you guys have helped make this year a a fantastic one looking very much forward to 2022 without what all that brings and I guess more on that in a minute and we'll we'll give some thanks and stuff at the end of the podcast but again just thank you all if it's your first time listening uh, welcome in You, you chose a great time to come into the podcast because we're starting SEC play here for both the Vols and Lady Vols and Gene and I are recording this before the Lady Vols game on uh, Thursday, but a lot of you will probably be listening to it afterwards. But don't worry, if you are a Lady Vol fan, we will have a Lady Vol-specific podcast for the Lady Vol Basketball Fever podcast, which, again, is in the same feed as this one, so you don't need to subscribe to anything new. Uh, We'll have that on, I believe, sometime Friday to talk about Lady Vols taking on Alabama. And hopefully, Gene, they have a better result than the men's team when they took on Alabama because the men's team went down to Tuscaloosa, a place where Tennessee has historically... um, not had very much success and lost seventy three sixty eight a very close one. And Gene, to me, this game, we should be talking about the fact that Tennessee took a shorthanded roster without John Fulkerson without Kennedy Chandler because those two, uh, it was revealed, I guess about an hour or so, maybe an hour and a half before tip off on uh, Wednesday night that those two were not going to be available to play because of uh, COVID issues. You know, Both the guys tested positive after Christmas break. And I, I believe Rick Barnes said that Fulkerson hadn't even been practicing with the team for the for basically the whole week, then practicing leading up this game. And uh, I think Chandler, I think, tested positive on the 26th, so you know, the day after Christmas. So then he wasn't practicing after that either. So you know, the other guy, I don't think, made the trip. Potentially, I know Kennedy did. And I don't remember if Fulkerson made the trip or not, but neither guy was in action uh, on Wednesday night. So we should be talking about how this, this undermanned Tennessee team had a, a different, you know, pretty good amount of guys step up and, and play some really good roles in expanded minutes, especially guys like Rosh Placik, who I thought had his best game as of all, which maybe not saying too much, but he still, I thought he played uh, really well in his 20 minutes. He played uh, on the, on the court there. I thought Livia Kamwa played well. I thought Sakai Ziegler in his first career start as of all, uh, he made some really good plays you know you, you could see maybe you know fresh mistakes being made by him but i thought he played well and you know stepped up in a role where he's not you know ever had to start in college before but instead a lot of the talk has been about the end of the game because of <laughs> a missed wide open three by victor Bailey jr and he wasn't the only of all to, to miss a wide open three in the game and, and gene my big gripe for this team and i've said it on twitter multiple times now is i feel like Maybe I'm biased because I watch you know every UT game and I'll watch every game any other, every other school, but this team misses more wide open three pointers than I think I've seen any any team ever miss in college basketball. But besides the point, Victor Bailey Drew misses that three with 35 or so seconds to go. It was 70-68 Alabama after we saw a flurry of points. You had Jaden Shackelford make a a really nice bucket to put Alabama up 67-65 with 102 to go and then Olivier Camwag goes down and drains a 3 to make it 68-67 Tennessee and then Keon Ellis comes back not even 10 seconds later and responds with a made 3 as well to make it 70-68 with 46 seconds to go and then Tennessee gets possession goes down and I don't I don't recall exactly what happened I think it was I mean the way the pass happened I think the the guy who passed it to Bailey which I think was probably Ziegler or, or Reskivy drew the defense. I don't know exactly what happened, but he had... There wasn't anybody within 10 feet of Victor Bailey Jr. I mean, he, he could he could have sat there and dribbled the ball and still not been touched, just not been guarded for a three. As a corner three, misses it, and he finished the game. He made one early, which I think gave him you know some confidence, which we talked about. He's not ever really afraid to shoot the three, but he made one early um, and then missed the rest of his shots. Finished the game one of four for three, two of seven overall from the floor, two of two from free throw line. But he misses it, and people understandably, we're pretty mad about why was Victor Bailey Jr. in there with the struggles he's had this year, and not Justin Powell, who is seemingly a better shooter, a more consistent shooter, and in, th- in this game, he played 15 minutes, Bailey played 20, uh, Powell in those 15 minutes, he was 1 of 2 from 3, 2 of 3 overall, 5 points, 3 rebounds, 2 steals, Bailey was 7 points, and 1 rebound and 1 assist. So, Gene... I know we. I, I tend to skew more positive on the podcast and everything, and, and I've you know I've mentioned before. I, I I have complaints about Rick Barnes, but overall I I think he's a great coach. Obviously, and and tend to um, you know kind of de- defect towards him and say you know he's he knows what he's doing. In this case, I understand where everybody's coming from, and I agree with them on this one. I I don't understand. Maybe it's because he's been on the team for three years. You know, the year he, he redshirted, he was here last year, and obviously this is his third year. So maybe you wanted to have seniority out there on the the last couple of minutes of the game, but I would have personally have had Justin Powell in over Victor Bailey Jr. for this instance. And I, I really think moving forward after that miss, I, I think they end up taking Victor Bailey Jr. out of the game. If I'm looking at the, uh, the play by play, he come yeah, he comes out not too long after that, I think. And uh, I don't know if Powell came in or not, but I know Bailey subbed out, but Gene, I I think moving forward, mm. you, if you're Brick Barnes, you gotta put in, justin powell more and i i just don't i don't i know we saw to barely play what two minutes against arizona i'm not saying he has to only ever play a minute or two in a game but i i'm, I'm ready to see more justin powell and and less victor bailey because he he just doesn't have it this year I don't, I don't know what it is about this year specifically he's had one game where he lit it up from three and every other game this year he has really struggled and i i one hundred percent understand people questioning Rick Barnes and why he had Victor Bailey Jr. in there late. So, G, I, I've I've talked a lot here. I'll let you get your thoughts, but I I think moving forward, I if you're Rick Barnes, I don't I don't see how you don't have more Justin Powell and less Victor Bailey.
1: Yeah, um, you know I I think a lot of it's just probably just a it's weird, but I think it's just maybe a comfort level that. You know that I think Barnes kind of just has with with Bailey in some in, in some clutch moments and some key moments. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the second half, and for what it's worth, like Bailey was productive in the second half. I mean, play. I mean, all of his production came in the second half. Now, what's now? Obviously, there are some negatives because I mean the kid had four fouls in ten minutes, which is Quite impressive to me, sort of, you know, sort of Vescovy. Um, you know, all the guards were getting fouls, um, and you know, so I don't know. Unfortunately, I missed like that last little sequence. Long day, ended up falling asleep about three to five minutes ago, which is amazing because that's usually when people are most awake, and that's when I dozed off. But um, you know, it, it's. I don't know. Like it's one of those things to me that there's just a certain comfort level that you know that Barnes has kind of developed with Bailey in some clutch moments. Um, like, and there were some good moments. I know I saw him hit the three. I uh, can't remember the second shot he hit, but I know he had the real nice slot pass to Olivier for the dunk. In the second half as well, so like there was some good playmaking.
0: Yeah, that, the second the second uh, shot that Bailey hit was one that was a really good pass that looked like it was going to Uroš, and ended up making it to Bailey as both were yeah, coming to I the basket. Yeah, do remember that now. Yeah. yeah,
1: I do. I remember that now. Um, like there, it wasn't all horrible, right. and and unfortunately, the reality is, like the truth is, it's a make or miss sport. So. If, if Bailey makes that shot, nobody's saying we want to see more of uh, of Justin Powell. right It's more the fact that he missed the shot that everybody is now clamoring for for Powell, who did have a decent first half but pretty much had six non-existent minutes in the second half. I don't even remember the time that he was in, but you know in those six minutes, you know they were all scored by four points in just those six minutes. And look, there's there's no perfect measurement to what transpires. Maybe maybe <clears throat> maybe Barnes thought that Bailey offered something more defensively because all their guards were getting cooked. All of Tennessee's guards were in foul trouble, so uh, maybe you decided to go with the more um, athletic option. I, I I don't know. I mean, I think I mean Bailey's taller. I'm sorry, not Bailey, but Powell is taller. Uh, Might not be quite as athletic, but he's, at the very least, equally as good of a shooter. At the very least. And you could argue he's actually better. But, um, I mean, I would probably argue that he's actually better, a a better just spot-up shooter. But, like, I I don't think that there's a... I don't think you're going to get a lot of pushback from me as far as, you know, they need to be playing you know, Bailey more and Powell less. I mean, if, if everybody wants, if everybody wants Bailey, I'm sorry, if everybody wants Bailey out and Powell in, okay, I I 1000% get that because I understand it. But part of the reason why everybody's frustrated is more because he missed a shot and not nearly as much about like, to me, the conversation is, you mentioned it earlier, your played his best ever game. Yeah. Best ever game in, in, in that uniform. I mean, when you look, look, there's no perfect measurement for, you know, how important the guy is on the court. You know, some people will just simply look at points and rebounds and blah 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 blah. I like to kind of look at some of these other more advanced measurements and kind of make my, kind of you know make you know understand stuff that way. Um, Tennessee was outscored by nine points when Kyrols wasn't in the game. He only and he played, excuse me, he played half the game. Like quite literally, nineteen twenty three he was in, twenty thirty seven he was out. Um like that's that's good. And that's a guy that, you know, a lot of people wrote off. I questioned if he'd ever contribute there. I always wondered, I always knew that I knew that people weren't getting that that Tennessee wasn't getting what people thought they were getting in a seven two kid. But I, I what I've watched out of Euros is the fact that, that quit that kid is quit playing I think to the crowd which I think is you know early on in his career he was so excited about being wanted there was the hashtag free Eurosh movement on, on, on social media and I think that was really fun and exciting for him and so he didn't necessarily focus as much on just becoming a better basketball player and then of course you have the COVID year which Always affects everybody's production. It does. It's effect- it affected everybody's production last year. Everybody's improvement last year, their development. But you've seen an off-season of development, and Eurosh is a good player and a serviceable piece. I mean, like again, the the kid. It's not like the kid's going to ever be like a guy that's going to give you twenty and fourteen. He he's not that guy. But you know what I'm looking at is I'm just looking at just his raw numbers. He didn't make a shot. But he, you know six of eight at the free throw line including the one that he banked in that i love that he banked in um wasn't that him that banked in a free throw am i Uros, yeah
0: Uros? he did yeah
1: yeah yeah as i'm saying he loved i love that he banked in a free throw because it's just you know it, it's one of the it's like the hardest thing to do in the game is actually bank in a free throw he didn't try but he did he had nine rebounds I, if that's not a career high it's pretty close um he affected the game man and that's And that's all you can really ask for. You know, like Josiah, plus one in 33 minutes. Like, those are little things. Like, sometimes you can't base everything. It's hard because you want to win the game. I get that. And I'm not about to argue that or dispute that. Uh, But when you're looking back on the game and you're trying to, you know, put things in perspective and take things into context, you go down there without an all-conference forward who who is an invaluable piece of your team. You go down there without your point guard. I don't think he was as important to not have, if that makes any sense. Because yeah. I don't think there's much difference between what he and Ziegler do. See, they're both and they're both freshmen, so it's not like you have a particular advantage to having Chandler other than the fact that he's a five star to Ziegler's three or whatever it was. Um, he's better, you know, Chandler's better finishing at the basket. Um, Ziegler, I think, has a toughness about him that is in, that is. Impressive. Like I watched that game, and what I was watching and what I was thinking was when he was playing was, oh, this kid ain't rattled in the least bit. Like I don't know. Again, I watch the games. What I watched, when I watch games, I try to watch it without the sound on because I don't want to be influenced by what the announcers are saying. Uh, who were the announcers yesterday?
0: Uh, it was Carl uh, Ravitch and Jimmy Dykes, which people were having a lot of. Uh... <laughs> I, I guess I, I wasn't I'm – I'm never a huge fan of Ravitch calling basketball games because he's much better at baseball. I just don't think he does a good job at basketball. But Jimmy Dykes usually does an okay job, though.
1: And Dykes is like a Tennessee guy.
0: Right. So,
1: yeah, yeah I mean, so that's – I mean, obviously he's not from here, But I'm just saying, he, that's a guy who will always kind of tout the, the Rick Barnes model. Like when I, you know, when I've met him and talked to him. Um, but, like, so, like, I try to just watch. And so when I was watching, like, the second half of that game – I'm like, okay, I don't think things are going to be much different if you had Chandler in there because she's going to be making some of the same mistakes. I watched the Arizona game last week. I mean if John Fulkerson is not there, then the the talk is how your freshman point guard forced the play forced the, a shot with like less than a minute in the game and got it blocked. like that's that's the whole discussion if they lose that Arizona game. Because he did. He drove to the basket and forced a shot that he probably didn't have to take yep. instead of getting it to somebody else. So I don't think you're getting anything more or less. You may get a little more scoring or whatever, but you've got two freshman point guards. I thought But you didn't have Fulkerson, which I think is a huge loss. That's, to me, the bigger loss, and it's not even about points, rebounds, because I think that, look, a lot of his 24 points in that, first, in that Arizona game was a lot of hustle and just want to uh, as opposed to everybody else. Like, he'll, I think he'll consistently give Tennessee, like, 10 to 12 points, but his value is not points. It's just in presence. And not having that, so to me, I'm like you. Like, the story is the effort. The story is the performance. You had guys making shots. Josiah, you know, Josiah hits the three in the corner. Unfortunately, it's the only shot he makes because now apparently I don't know what's happened to him, but he's now in his mind like a, a pure three-point shooter.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think he needs to. He needs to change his, his approach because I agree with you. I don't. I don't know why he's only just taking threes basically now.
1: Yeah, I mean, seven of his eight shots last night were threes, and it's not like they were completely out of the game and they were trying to shoot their way back into it. It was consistently like they're up ten points in the first half, and then obviously the big run by Alabama, and then, but that was a back and forth game, and I'm like, yep. okay, this this is you know, and, and look, I, I don't know. Like, it's not a – look, I don't think it's an aggression thing because you see moments where Josiah does things that, you know, that you're like, oh, wow. He'll get a duck or something along those lines where you're just like, oh, wow, here he comes. Here he comes. And then it doesn't necessarily build on itself. um like I, I'm looking here, man. Fifty of his sixty-eight shots this year of three.
0: I was just looking at that. He's only taken <laughs> eighteen two pointers this year, which is actually <laughs> I mean, less than Victor Bailey, and and he's played he's played about fifty more minutes than Victor Bailey too.
1: But yeah, like that's. I mean, he's, he's taken five more. Well, it's more impressive the fact that he's only taken five more shots than Victor Bailey, <laughs> and he played. Well, he's only played like. Well, Victor's played in all twelve games. Josiah's. I was about to say he's only played in. in over ten minutes more per game. Yep. Josiah yep. has only taken five more shots and seven more threes. Um. Well, I mean, Tennessee is a good free throw shooting team. Shoot seventy percent on the year. I'm pretty sure they were they were solid last night at the line. I mean, they were seventeen to twenty. Um. You've got to find ways to get to the line more. Like Ziegler, seven of eight. Yep. Erosh, six of eight both Olivier and Bailey, two for two. But, like, you can't settle. Like, they didn't settle as much last night, 29 threes out of 63 shots. That's still almost half of your shots. Like, you've got to find a way to start getting into the lane more. And I think that's why why Barnes harps so much on getting the ball into the post because, you know, there aren't that many guys that can do the sort of stuff to kind of get yourself to the basket. Obviously, Ziegler did it last night. Uh, Euros just did it just because of his work rate and his work ethic and just you know just constantly working in his 20 minutes to get you know to get foul to get to the line um, I like the toughness of Euros last night there was a little yeah. like the the rebound he grabbed over uh, I can't number 10 I'll just say number 10 y'all know who he is everybody in the podcast knows what I'm talking about uh, the 7 foot freshman kid
0: yes, and, I was Yako. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah they got their arms tangled and Euros kind of shook free and they called a foul on the kid I'm like that's that's what you need. Like that's the type of stuff that shows that kid can help. And as mm-hmm. you start talking about the rotation, who can help? Can Huntley Hatfield, can he continue what he did? I mean, he looked lost in the second half, but <clears throat> in his time in the first half, I mean, that's eight points. Like he's play- – I mean, in, in a lot of cases, you get comfortable against guys who are – if you're like a guy like Huntley Hatfield. I, I, I said the same thing about Josiah two years ago. You get comfortable going up against guys who are, um, like in college, when you're going up against a guy who's like a five-star freshman like you because y'all have been playing each other. Like, there's a comfort level that you can develop, so I, I'm not surprised that Huntley Hatfield played well because he's played he played against a lot of these guys, I'd imagine, on circuits. I don't know how many guys were on the Under Armour circuit, which is what Bobby Maze's program plays on, but I'd imagine a few of them did, and... Like, like the, this, some of these games are opportunities for these guys to kind of just, to you know, to show that they belong. And so Huntley Hatfield, he showed some good things last night. That's a guy who last week was essentially written off. He played two minutes in a game. And you question if Fulkerson's there, does he get those minutes? But uh, the fact that he took advantage of his time means that there's probably more time coming. Same thing with Ziegler, although Ziegler's playing a lot as it is. Same thing with Euros. Can you find a rotation with Olivier, who was extremely aggressive last night? Uh, I'm glad he finally hit that 1-3 because uh, it was a huge 3 too. Because if, yep. if I, I kind of saw a little social media stuff about people wondering why he's taking these shots. Well, they're wide-open shots. That's why you're taking them. You can't just live in the post if you're six eight. It's not going to work. Grant Williams hit a lot of mid-range jump shots. Not everything Grant Williams did was pounding in the paint and just you know wrestling with everybody. Not every game was the Vanderbilt game where he had like 40 points in the paint, basically. Like, you're, you know, if you're at 6'8", he's going to he's gonna have to step out and show he can hit some of those shots. And I'm glad he hit that one towards the end. But, like I said, to me, I, I can talk about every single person and what I saw them do positively and negatively on that team. But Scovey still reminds me that he is as good of a shooter as there is in the country. I don't care about the three of eight, but trust me, he's one of the best shooters in the country. Um, and, and showed an aggression. I saw him, you know, foul a kid on a, uh, on a rebound. He went up for the rebound and kind of knocked the kid down, i you know, like the kids like six, eight, six, nine, but, um. But yeah, I yeah, mean, there,
0: there's yeah. one point in the game where Vaskiv and Camwa were the team's leading rebounders, and, and technically, I guess Vaskiv was until Eurosh passed him up at the end there. But he still finished the game with uh, six boards, which is really impressive yeah. for him being a six-three guy.
1: I, I mean, Eurosh getting nine and 19 minutes is impressive, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that again. Those are impressive numbers, man. Like that. I'm, I'm like you're, I'm like you in thing. Like I'm going to focus more on the positive. Like man, if if. So much of basketball, so much of how people talk about basketball nowadays gets locked in on the last two minutes. Like, everything's like an NBA culture where where we don't necessarily care about the 47 minutes and 45 seconds that leads up to the final play. We care about did Jordan make the shot, did Kobe make the shot, did whatever make the shot. We have a whole culture of that. And, man, like, it can't simply be about that. Like, this, this was a team who battled, who battled without two starters. And mm-hmm. nearly won the game. And, to, like, that's all I can focus on. Like, the rest of the stuff, yeah, Bailey missed a shot. Like, I, I, I'm just – like, I'm an offensive guy. Like, when I coached, I was an offensive guy. You're going to make shots, you're going to miss shots. That's going to happen over the course of the game. Like, what do you do – I mean, and the the reality is not – you know, neither – neither ba- I mean, neither Bailey nor Powell really did anything to – to separate themselves from the other, and like last night would have been a great chance for Bailey to do so, and he didn't. He did some good yeah. things in the second half, but ultimately he didn't. And and you know Powell, whatever he did in the first half, it did not translate. He played 11 minutes in the first half, four in the second. So Rick saw something that he didn't like in those four minutes because that yeah, did and that, get back to that the point.
0: Yes, to that point, you were right earlier when you mentioned that. I, I was while you were talking, looking for a transcript from. Rick Barnes post game presser. So shout out to um, 247 Sports, the Go ball 247, because they have it. I, I believe probably Grant Ramey did this. If I had to guess, yeah, Grant did this. Um, and someone asked him you know, late in the game, you know, why Justin Powell was on the bench when Tennessee needed a three, and you know, instead of you know having Victor Bailey out there. And you were right about basically it being defense, and like you said, Barnes not liking what he saw. Here's the pretty much the full quote from Barnes about this. We need Justin to want to really lock in defensively with everybody, and he's capable of doing it. But tonight he had some breakdowns on the defensive end. That's why we were taking him out. They're a team, talking about Alabama, that can get on a run. I told him we need him on the court. We really do. But he's got to understand he's got to play both ends of it. And he's more than capable. But we need him. We need him tonight. We're going. We're getting this time of year where I've got a lot of respect for coaches in this league. They're going to go at guys if they don't think they can defend we need Justin, we really do, we need him to want to do this, and he's shown he can. He just needs to be more consistent with it. So you were pretty much spot on, Gene, with why Barnes opted to go with Victor Bailey. Again, I don't think Bailey's the most phenomenal defender, but he has improved on his defense every year he's been in Tennessee, and right now he is a better defender than than Powell. And like you said, he's got more athleticism and quicker feet than what Powell does, too. So that that was the reasoning why. And I get where, where he's coming from. Alabama's offense really was starting to turn it on there in the final few minutes. I mean, we could just go back to the play-by-play. They're going back and forth to Tennessee late. And I talked about it in the uh, matchup breakdown video I did that Alabama coming into this game on Wednesday night was had the third most points per game in the second half uh, in the entire country. They were averaging just a little bit under 46 points per game in the second half. So they, they were more than capable of pouring points on in the second half. They ended this game with 40, which... You know, under their season average, but still a, a pretty good total there in the second half. So I understand where Barnes is coming from, but I, that's why you know we've been talking about this game. But I also, again, think moving forward, if I am Justin Powell, man, I, you you see this as an opportunity to say, hey, I need to go out there and earn more minutes. I am going to do whatever I can to make sure I am improving defensively because his offense is there, Gene. I mean, he he, like you said I agree with you. He's a better shooter than Bailey is. He's a both not just as, as a three point shooter, but overall, he's got a better. Um, Two-point shooting percentage, a better three-point shooting percentage than Bailey does right now. I, I think Bailey has a better free throw shooting percentage, but he also has attempted more. And I, I think you know that, that that at least does show that Bailey is a good shooter because he can at least make the free throws there. Um, but I think his offense is there. I don't think he really needs to worry about that. He needs to worry about the defense because defense is always going to show up. If your offense is off of the night, if you're a really good defensive team you, like Tennessee is, you can stay in these types of games where your offense wasn't you know, the most crisp it could be against Alabama. Tennessee was still in it right there until the very end because their defense, for the most part in that game, and same thing with Arizona, had done a good job of you know, affecting a really good offense. So if, if I'm Justin Powell, man, I see this as an opportunity to say, hey, Bailey is better than me defensively. I feel like I'm better than him offensively how can I close that gap defensively and earn more minutes moving forward? And, and you know, because you earn playing time on the practice court. And, and, and you got also what you do in game, which you really, you have to prove to your coaches, both in basketball and football, really in any sport, that you can do these things in practice. You have to prove to them that you need to be out there and on the court because hey, look what I can do in practice. Look, what, you look how I'm preparing. Because that that's another thing that Rick Barnes mentioned later on in his in his post game comments when I asked about Brandon Huntley Hatfield and you know why did his minutes go down in the second half. He said I felt like you know and to go back to the Arizona game, he mentioned he didn't think huntley Hatfield prepared at all though, very well at all that week for that game. He said you know I think he'd even tell you that his two the two practices before that game um, he did not have great preparation for that game. But he said before this one that he felt like. Um, I thought Brandon did his best job preparing for a game this year before this one and I thought he was really locked in. But then, uh, you know, just kinda like with Powell the second half, defensively he made some mistakes and didn't do things right and that was why he didn't play. And also you know, I hope that Urosh was, again, having his best game as a vol so far. But that's Gene you know, you were right you're right about why Bailey was out there and I think that's like I said, if I'm Powell, if he doesn't this isn't a wake up call to Powell of, hey, there there are minutes there for the taking for me. Um, then I don't know what's going to wake him up. Because if I'm him, again, I see my offense is better than Bailey. My defense is not. I'm going to work on the area where I, I, you know, I'm not better than him and try to get better than him at it. And I, I think he's got to prove to Barnes that he is deserving of playing those late-game minutes when you need more defense than offense. And unless there's a game where it's a, you know, a back-and-forth contest and your both teams are in the upper 80s and stuff like that, then maybe it's a little different story and Powell's out there more um, – Maybe kind of like Arizona because we didn't see Bailey in that one very much. I don't know. I I, I think I want to see Rick Barnes play Powell more. And again, we we talked about it at the beginning of this conversation, and kind of got away from it, but that's fine because I thought you had some really good points in there, Gene. Well, that's that's my my big takeaway from this game is, as you said, they fought their butts off, and that should be the big talking point of they're down two men. You know, a, a, your most talented player from a, a pure talent perspective in Kennedy Chandler and then your, your oldest most experienced a guy who just coming off a, a 24-10 game in John Fulkerson and they had a 10 point lead one point. They led for a lot of that game. I think like 27-28 minutes they, they led in that game and almost won on the road. But instead we're talking about you know a lot of the negatives because as you kind of mentioned too, people love to focus in on the final two minutes of a game rather than the first 38.
1: Yeah, and I, maybe this maybe this is applicable. Maybe it's not. Like my, so my junior year of college, um, you know, I just got settled in. I, I felt really confident about who I was as a basketball player at that point in my life, and so I thought that I had done enough to be the starter at my position. My coach instead brings me in off the bench the first two games, and so the. First two games, I played really, really well. I had high points. I Think I averaged like ten rebounds a game in the two games, and like maybe three or four assists. So game three comes along. I'm like, I've done enough now. I don't start. I'm like, Coach, what's up? And he's like, Your attention to detail in practice is not where I want it to be. And I'm like, What else can I do? And it, and it's just one of those things. Like, Powell has to understand, and probably Huntley has applies too, um, like, there's certain things that coaches are looking for in how you practice and how you prepare. And, like, we all see the game day stuff. But it's Mm -hmm. like when you have, like, we see the raw talent, but we don't see the preparations that go into – like the game prep in terms of how are these guys getting themselves mentally prepared to play in a game. It's not just simply like defense isn't just simply guarding your man. Like what are you doing when the ball is not in your hands? I'm sorry, when the ball when you're when the ball's not right in front of you, that's for a team like Tennessee, that's what's going to determine how much you actually play. Because all the help side stuff, all the cuts, what are you doing? Are you bumping? Like all those little things, all those little basketball terms That stuff does matter. And, look, we can all say, we can all just sit there and watch a game, watch Justin Powell make shots, or watch Victor Belly miss shots and say, that kid should be playing over the other kid. Um, But there's also, um, like, I mean, there's also the whole, what are they doing on the other end of the court? You can't simply base it off. Rebounds or like the like the counting oh, right. stats. Like you can't base it off the counting stats because, I mean, we, and as basketball fans have gotten smarter, like so many people slobbered over Russell Westbrook's triple double season. That kick, that guy could probably average a triple double again this year, and nobody would care, because you start to understand. Oh well, those don't really matter. Like like scoring. Nineteen points, grabbing fifteen rebounds and passing the, and getting twelve assists just means the ball's in your hand a lot. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're making good decisions when you've got the ball in your hand. Like I said, you're, I mean, I, I can't stop talking about Eurosh. Eurosh didn't make a shot, but you notice everything that he did out there, not simply because he's seven foot two, or whatever he is. You notice it because he was impacting the game, which mm-hmm. is why again, like plus minus isn't a plus, isn't a is an exact science. But he had the highest plus-minus on the team, and he played 19 minutes. Olivier, you saw Olivier doing everything on the court. You saw Olivier's 15 points. Tennessee was 11 points worse when he played. In a game, they lost by five. So there were six points uh, – I think, if I, if I got this right, there were six points better when he did not play. He only played, didn't play seven minutes. So, like, the thing with Powell – because it's not it's not perfect, but like if you don't lock in on that other side, how this coaching staff wants you to, and look, Barnes is a stickler for the defensive side. Yep. It, always has been. That's kind of his that's kind of his calling card. That's kind of what he does. Like if if you're not taking care of what you need to take care of on that side, it's gonna be hard for you to get on the court, man, especially as a perimeter player. Bigs like Eurosh. Got it easy. I don't want to say easy, but you know, a lot of teams. That like Bama different because Bama runs with like five guards, essentially. You know, different sizes, of course, but basically like five guards. Like they had uh, number four. That's a big guy. Uh, Bidiaco. That's a big guy. Mm-hmm. But Bidiaco played twelve minutes, and Gary Juwan Gary played twenty. Which means they. Prefer, I mean, they went with Davidson, Shackelford, uh, Quinterly. Gurley, obviously people know him, and um, and Keon Ellis last night. That was the majority. That was their majority. Their lineup for the majority of the game. Uh, I told y'all, by the way, uh, you know we talked about this and thing. You know, told you Noah Gurley was going to be a good player.
0: Yeah, he he'd had a slow start, but man, he had his game game of the season so far for him against Tennessee. Twenty and ten. Now he and... ain't out there to pass. But, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah he he played ball. he played exceptionally well in in that game.
1: But like that's you know that's a smaller lineup when Gurley's your biggest player. Look, Gurley's like six eight. Uh, I think Gurley's six eight, maybe six nine, kind of a stretch four, you know bigger you know bigger three type guy. If you want to go, if you want to delve into positions or whatever you want to call it. But last time I checked, Shackelford's not big. Quinterly's not big. Ellis is what six six early 6'8", and Davidson's a point guard. So, like, that's not a big lineup. And so that's a game where you need Bailey or Powell to step up because you kind of have to – that's why – I mean, that's why yours only played 19 minutes and he had nine rebounds. Ain't nobody 7'2 out there. He's more physical now. He's going to grab a lot of rebounds. But he was important out there. But mm-hmm. you're talking about some minutes where you had – that were available for somebody, one of the two. He went with Bailey because Bailey kind of understands where to be. Now, apparently he, he likes to foul. <laughs> you know, like that kind of is what it is. Um, you know, like, you know, Vescovy knows where to be. Not always great on the ball, but he knows where to be. And that's a big part of succeeding in this sport is, can't, do you just know where to be defensively? Because that'll get you a lot of playing time, man. That will – just knowing where to be on that side of the court, that's what coaches are going to notice. Like when you start getting lost, you have missed assignments all the time and you don't know where to be and you're just gone and doing your own thing, it's harder to play you. And that's what Bailey, when he – I'm sorry. That's what – when Powell – like when he figures out what is being asked of him, he's going to be fine. But he's a second-year freshman, so you do kind of get that. What's Bailey like? Right. A fifth or sixth year guy? Uh,
0: Bailey is a fifth year guy, I think.
1: Fifth year junior, I think he is, because he played two years at Oregon, sat a year, played last year. So yeah, he's a fifth year junior. Yep. That's a guy that has been through a lot. That's three years of that's a, that's three years of experience that Powell doesn't have. He'll get there, but obviously, nights like last night kind of remind people he still has a ways to go.
0: Yeah, he's not. He's a second year guy, but he also again only played ten games in the COVID year. So he's, yeah, exactly. He's, he's by, all, by all accounts, he's he's still kind of a freshman in, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, yeah, I, I again, I, I don't think this really changes too much how I feel about this team. That was a frustrating loss because the the game was right there for the taking, and you couldn't take it. But also, Alabama's a good team, and that was on their home court where they've won like. Some ungodly number, like 17 straight games at home, or at least conference games at home, or something like that. They've got some really strong winning streak at home. They they play really well there, and of course Tennessee, like I said, historically has not been very good at Coleman Coliseum or just Tuscaloosa in general uh, against Alabama. So again, I I think a lot of people want to focus on negatives of this game because you know it was very winnable. But this doesn't this doesn't change much how I feel about this team. Again, they were down two guys. If Fulkerson and Kennedy Chandler were in there, how different does that game play out? Does, is Bailey even on the court in the final two minutes? Because I don't think he is. Because I think you have Fulkerson. I think you have Chandler. I think you have uh, Vescevi, and I think you have. uh Just Jordan James, you know. But at that yeah. fourth guy could be Kamwa. It could be Powell. It could be. Uh, Ziegler. Ziegler. It probably was yeah. Ziegler because that's that's been the thing we've seen yeah, a lot. the four I'm guard yeah. one one four lineup, late in games to Tennessee. Um. Yeah, no, that's that's. So again, I don't think we'll be seeing too much of Victor Bailey Jr. late in games moving forward. And this is this the way COVID's going right now. I, I feel like someone said this to me on Twitter, and I, I kind of agree with them. Almost every team this year is possibly going to lose a game because of COVID, because you're, you're going to have guys out because of COVID. You know, it's only a matter of time probably before Alabama has a couple of guys out because of COVID, and they you know they're they're having to play forehanded against the team, but. Tennessee still wanted to play the game, and they threw <laughs> some not so su- subtle shade towards Memphis uh, on some of their their tweets and stuff, which I thought was pretty funny. And, and shout out to Memphis for losing to Tulane, by the way, on Wednesday night. Um, no, I, I think it was a good point by whoever tweeted that at me. I, I mean, way COVID's going, I, this wouldn't even shock me if this is this isn't the only game Tennessee has. A couple guys out, um, you know, in SEC play, or if Tennessee has to have a, a game or two, you know, postponed or rescheduled moving forward because of, of COVID, whether it's on their program or the, the other team's program. So that that's just also, you know, is what it is right now. Things are getting, I, I'm glad we're, we're moving away from the cancellation and more towards the postponement rescheduling, especially now that we're in conference play. I think it makes more sense to do that. It's a little different with non-conference games and canceling those and everything because it's hard to reschedule uh, once you get in, into conference play some non-conference games. But SEC-wise, I'm glad that's the case. But I also want to bring up, Gene, that, you know, Losing this game, as I said, doesn't change how much I, how much I really feel about this team moving forward, and I don't think it should really affect how f- fans view the rest of the season. Tennessee has a, a tough stretch here to open the conference play. Uh, they go they, they host Ole Miss, which ugh, that game's gonna be ugly, I think, especially if if Fulkerson and Chandler aren't back for Tennessee for that game, which they should be because yeah, that game's another week away. Basically, it's it's uh, Wednesday, January 5th, so it's a whole week away from now. But you have Ole Miss, LSU, South Carolina, Kentucky as your next few games, then Vandy and LSU. Um, so, I mean, you've, you've got some tough games moving forward for Tennessee. But losing – Tennessee's not been great under Rick Barnes in the first game SEC game to open up the year, which is weird to me. I think they're now like three and four under Barnes. And I, I look back to that team, Gene, that won a share of the regular season SEC title. They started the season 0-2 in SEC play. They, they entered like a, a 9-2 in non-conference play, they had that close loss to North Carolina. They had that game where they were up, uh, I think, a pretty big at one point against Villanova and lost, but they won an overtime against Purdue and had some good showings against some other non-conference teams that year. Uh, but it came into non, you know, came into SEC play, I think, ranked and you know, looking to make some noise then they lose in a high scoring affair I think maybe multiple overtime overtime game against Arkansas and then you lose at home to Bruce Pearl and Auburn and then you're about to face Kentucky and fans are thinking oh god Tennessee's gonna start 0-3 in SEC play beat Kentucky and then go on to again win a share of the SEC regular season title and finish that year 13-5 and mm-hmm. so they started 0-2 in SEC play that year and then finished you know closed out 13-3 and basically um, so I, again I don't you know Just because Tennessee loses this game and starts at 0-1 at SEC play, I I don't know that I would panic too much. Tennessee doesn't have an easy road ahead, but I think it gets a little bit easier after you you get out of January. Tennessee's, uh, in my opinion, their SEC slate gets a little bit easier because you look at what they have in February. Uh, After they play Texas, they open up in February 1st against Texas A&M, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, uh, home against Kentucky, at Arkansas, at Missouri versus Auburn, at Georgia versus Arkansas. And I don't, I don't know the Arkansas – I know they're without J.D. Notay in that game against Mississippi State, but, ooh, they did not look good. I, so I don't know if they're going to be as good this year, nearly as good as this year as they were last year. But those are some much more winnable games. you got Missouri and Georgia uh, on, on tap there, and Vandy for you, and, and Texas A&M and South Carolina on tap for you in, in February and early March. So Tennessee has a chance to, after this rough first basically nine games or so of the SEC schedule, to go kind of finish out a little bit stronger in the last nine games. So Gene, you know, kind of closing out here, I, I'm, I'm not really panicked about this. It was a frustrating loss for Tennessee because they had every opportunity to win that game, even shorthanded. But again, you know, this COVID year, it's it's another COVID year, not not to the same extent as last year, but it's basically another COVID year because it's wreaking havoc on scheduling and, and who is and isn't available and everything right now. It's going to be another tough year to really gauge kind of here once we're getting into January and stuff, but I, I'm not hitting the panic button. I, I think this is still a really good team. I think it's still a team that's going to finish top four in the SEC and, and still be in, in a really good spot heading into postseason play.
1: Yeah, I, I think look man I'm I'm a firm proponent that every basketball game you play matters. Yep. It has it has it, it has a tangential I think that's the word. Uh Value. Uh, It's important, but I also understand that the reason why it's important isn't necessarily, to me, the reason why every game is important isn't necessarily because you need some title or you need some accomplishment or award. It's because everything that you're doing is trying to build your team up for March. So... To me, I, I don't care if look, I'm look, I'm obviously alone when I say this, and I'm I'm being completely to uh, I'm going just I'm just saying this just to be funny. I don't care if Tennessee goes 0-18 in the SEC because they have different guys out, or if they go 5-13 in the SEC. But those last five, those last seven or eight games, they finally get their full complement of players and they figure something out. Maybe they lose the game regardless, but they've got their full complement. That's a team who goes into uh, the NCAA tournament, you know, provided they can get there, like, 18 and 13, but they're going to be a team that nobody wants to face because, like, oh, when Tennessee figured it out, they were scary good. Like, so, like, to me, like, I'm watching this, and I'm like, look, they lost the game, man. Like, I get it. I understand the frustration. It's Bama. It feels like Tennessee hasn't beat Bama in anything in quite some time. I get it. I, I 1,000% understand people's angst and people's frustration that they lost the game. But Victor Bailey did not lose that game for anybody. Like, I don't think it's fair to put all of that on that kid who, look, we can we can argue about how important he is to this team and how much he should or shouldn't play. Everybody can have that discussion. But I mean, the – the biggest reason they lost that game that we've talked about multiple times today, they were missing their starting point guard and their most valuable player. Mm-hmm. Those are two big losses, and like I said, like those are games that you kind of want to have Chandler out there, just mainly because I think it'll be a fun matchup between him and Davidson. I think it would be, and I mean him and uh, him and Alabama's guards. You want to see yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff from I an entertainment value. You want to see that stuff. To me, again, I'm mostly about do you win or you lose? How did you look? Tennessee looked good. And they look good without two players. Like, this isn't football. Like, I'm not judging you. I'm not living off of this one game until next Saturday. Like, this is a game they had every opportunity to win down the stretch. In the final minute of the game, they're leading on the road. <laughs> Minus two players. Like that matters to me, and it should matter to a lot of people that this is a team that battled. And guess I get it. He missed the shot. It happens. It it, it it happens. If like what the thing? What's the conversation if if Powell's in there and Powell misses the exact same shot? Right.
0: right. It's it's you we're know, not talking it, about it, this. We're talking about wow. This team this team can't hit threes. Basically, yeah, it's, it's a, 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 a team conversation.
1: Like, So that's why I can't put it all – I mean, I understand there's frustration and this guy should be playing, that guy should be playing. Man, the the conversation – why is Powell out there? Bailey hit a three in the second half. Powell didn't hit anything. Why is he even playing? Like, it's amazing how we can't live off of one shot. The bigger picture is that's a team last night that battled. That's a team last night that fought. That's a team that had every opportunity to win a game, to steal a game on the road without two players. So to me, you add those two players and you keep playing with that same effort and energy and toughness, you're going to win a lot of games. Like that's the bigger picture. That's the macro part of the conversation. How did this team look? This team looked good. Were they perfect? No. But you don't play perfect basketball games. You don't play perfect in sports. I mean, there are always going to be mistakes and different things that happen along the way. But did you play well enough to win? And the answer to that question is, is yes. I mean, without a doubt, the answer to that question is yes. They played well enough to win the game. So going forward, how, what can we improve on? Is it rotations? What is, I mean, they don't play again for like a week. So what can we do over the next week that if we don't have, we don't have Chandler, if we don't have Fokerson we can put ourselves in the best, uh, best position to win a game? Because, I mean, Ole Miss, I mean, Ole Miss ain't, ain't ain't nothing to write home about. Home or, if that game is in Knoxville, if it's in Oxford, if it's in Nashville, I don't care where it is. Um, I expect, Ole Miss, I mean, I expect Tennessee to win that game.
0: Yeah, Ole Miss, Ole Miss is pretty good defensively, but their offense is not. That's why I said it's going to be ugly, because I don't know Tennessee's offense. Is hit or miss this year. It's better at home, but ooh, that game could be a, a low-scoring game.
1: Yeah, and and whether you win ninety-two, eighty-nine, or sixty-eight, mm-hmm. sixty-four, you take the win. You figure out where you were good at. You start. You continue to start developing an identity for this team, because as we can look and see, if you kind of look at some of the game-by-game game stuff, there, all those, all that Jack and Three stuff that we were talking about a few weeks ago, that I said wasn't going to last. Guess what? It ain't lasting. Now, they didn't shoot well last night from three, but they're at least attempting to do more things. I mean, like UN, you know, UNC Greensboro, they jacked a ton of threes. They shot 37%. That's a good percentage. 35 out of 64 shots for threes. But since then, UNC Upstate, they started trying to get the ball, you know, get into the paint a little bit more often. Arizona, 24 threes on 67 shots. Last night, minus two players, 29 threes on 63 shots, and there weren't a ton of bad shots. And like that's that's the stuff to me that matters. Like, it, are you taking bad? Are you are you just attempting bad threes? I thought early in the season they were attempting bad threes. They were just whatever is contested. I'll just step, I'll just step another foot back and just shoot it, you know, to where it's not as contested. But now it's a worse shot. Like they're, and, they're, and they were making a good percentage. So I guess in your mind you're like, well, man, we, you know, we hit 40, over 40 percent in three of our first four games. We must be a good three-point shooting team. And you weren't trying to figure out other ways that you could be good. Like they have the chance to be pretty good in terms of just, you know, with what they have in the interior. Probably better than what any of us thought, myself included. I knew Fulkerson was going to be a good piece, but we talked numerous times before, is there going to be another guy that steps up? Well, it looks to me, um, Olivier had probably one of his best games last night.
0: Yep. Yeah. Like, agree.
1: I, I mean, I understand he scored more points in games. He, I understand he's grabbed more rebounds in games. But, what, I mean, I don't recall Olivier going 15-9 and nine against anybody – Tangible. You know, again, maybe I'm wrong, I just don't remember better, but I'm looking now. Villanova, uh, no points, 6 rebounds. North Carolina, 7.6 rebounds. Colorado, 3.5 rebounds. Texas Tech, 2.3 rebounds. Arizona, 2.7 rebounds. Like, that's who you are as a player. What you do in the games against the teams that are equally as talented as you, that's what you are as a player. So for him going for fifteen and nine last night, that is huge. That's that's a guy who can help you out because he also did that without John Fulkerson. Checked a bunch of shots, it is what it is, but um you know then you've got Eurosh who's shown he could be a pretty valuable option. And once he starts finishing shots inside, I mean he's got a good stroke. He can hit shots. When I was talking to a coach who told me that his that Eurosh's player comparison is Jason Smith, and then I saw some Jason Smith tape. I can't remember exactly where Jason, I think Jason Smith played at Colorado, played in the NBA for a number of years. When you start looking, okay, that, guy, that guy's more of a, a face-up guy. Okay, I get that. Now you can see, I kind can, of understand the comparison because he does have a good stroke. And then it's about six of eight from the free throw line. Huntley Hatfield, when that kid figures it out, watch out. When he's bought in, watch out. I will remain steadfast on that. Whatever it is, whenever that kid figures it out, He had a wide-open three at the top of the key. I thought he was going to shoot. No. Passed it. Cut. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. I got it. AAU Huntley Hatfield would have jacked that thing. Had a good chance of making it, too. But, like, what I look at as I finish my, you know, lengthy soliloquy is I think that this team is, is capable of being good on the interior to where they don't have to shoot a whole bunch of threes. But if the quality of shots continues to improve, the fact that they have guys who can hit shots will only may open things up for the interior. And as they open things up on the interior, that's going to open up, you know, some shooting, some uh, some good shooting opportunities for some of those shooters they've got.
0: Well said, and I, I, we could talk more and more about this because I think there's just a lot of things to break down in this game. You know, I, I don't. I don't think Alabama played particularly well, especially J.D. Davison giving the ball away eight times. There are just mistakes that Bama made in this game. That's why I said that the game was right there for the taking, and it wasn't just because of Tennessee's effort. I didn't think Alabama played particularly crisp game either, but it is what it is, and again, we will have a lot more to talk about moving forward. This is one of, of 18 SEC games. we got 17 more of these to go, and Tennessee's game against Texas to go, and then we'll get into March and the SEC tournament, and then the NCAA tournament, so... We've got a, a, a long road ahead of us, Gene. Of course, people love to, you know, talk about and overreact to the first game. This wasn't the first game, but the first SEC game. Um, so, you know, obviously, a lot of conversation spent on this one. But again, I, I, I'm not hitting the panic button. I think this is still a, a good team, and I am looking forward to seeing how things play out when Tennessee faces. You know, again, I I'm like you. I, I think Tennessee will beat Ole Miss, but how do they handle things against LSU? How do they handle things against Kentucky here in a couple weeks? But again, as I mentioned top of the show, this is the last episode that Gene and I will be doing in 2021. So, uh, Gene, I want to wish you a, I guess, a happy New Year a happy 2022 because uh, I, I know you got a lot on your plate and you got a lot of stuff you're doing. So, I'm hoping 2022 is a little less, you know, busy and stressful for you. But man, I, I hope you uh, continue to have great blessings and, and you and your family both in the new year.
1: Uh, and, and you know, same you and the thing. Obviously, I mean, we do this because we enjoy it. I mean, the okay. time the timing, you know, doesn't really matter. Like, I'm always a person, if you're going to give me a chance to talk ball, I'm going to talk ball. I may get nerdy about it sometimes with people and (laughs) throw out some stuff that, you know, some terminology that, you know, some people don't know, but, like, this is what I love. Basketball's what I love. And so, obviously, um, I always am thankful for an opportunity to do it. And so I'm so thankful to you Nathaniel for kind of giving me the platform, giving me the opportunity. And, you know, to all, you know, to everybody who has listened said it last week i can't say it enough um thank you all for supporting what we do you know it, it always sound it may, it may sound weird at times and obviously we all jump off a, on our little tangents and and different things but i mean i think that's why you do this this sometimes you have a platform to kind of just speak your you know speak how you feel about certain things and um so yeah i mean like you know nathaniel again i know you know i'm not the only busy one here we work it out weekly uh we always give people a pod to listen to week in week out i think that's i think that's important and you know i think we don't have the i think what makes us unique is the fact that we're not trying to come at it from some sort of insider perspective we're just like you know like nathaniel you're a fan i'm just a basketball guy we're different in that regard. We're not coming at it from the perspective of we've got all this insider knowledge of why something's happening the way it's happening. The reason, I mean, it's basketball. The reason why you won is because you made shots and you did things, you know, did things well defensively. A lot of times when you lose, it's because you either didn't make shots or you didn't do certain things defensively, and sometimes a combination of both. It's, quite, it's that simple to me. And so – like I said, as we wrap this thing up, we're not gonna to talk to y'all again until next year. I hope you all can manage for however long that is because I mean, next year seems like it's such a long way away. Um, but again, like I said, Nathaniel, I appreciate you for you know, for for creating this platform. Um, whoever we've got on here, Nathaniel's done such a great job. I've actually met Cora Hall earlier this week for the first time. I've known Maria for a number of years. Um, those are two great people, two great voices whoever it is like he's got on this podcast give him a listen because that's a person who knows what they're talking about and and so except for me sometimes but um but again I said we appreciate you all as i said nathaniel i can't appreciate i can't thank you enough and uh again until next time man, we we certainly appreciate everything that you all have done to kind of support us
0: gene i couldn't have said it better myself i mean i i appreciate you a whole lot. Uh, I love talking about who you, I've mentioned before. You were the first person I thought of when I thought of doing a, a just a pure basketball podcast back when it was the SEC basketball fever, but still you, you're the first person I thought of because I always really enjoyed um, your analysis and take on college basketball, so I wanted you on here. I'm very glad you have carved out time over the year, I guess year plus now, uh, to do this with me. Again, uh, thank you all so much for all of you listening, because we wouldn't have this. I mean, I, I would probably still do this even with minimal to no one listening. Um, but you all have helped this kind of grow and, and you know be something that I, I, I'm happy to come back to and, and do every week and, and multiple times a week, a lot of times too. So um, thank you all so much for your support, for subscribing, for commenting, for sharing it with friends, family, and, and helping us kind of grow here in 2021. And I'm very excited to see how the, the podcast and the YouTube channel and everything grow in 2022. Thank you all again so much. Signing off for Gene, I'm Nathaniel. This has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another episode.